morning. Go ahead and get to your feet. We're going to worship. We got a new song this morning that we think you're going to love a lot. <laughs> yes, it's one of those songs. Here we go. Yep, come on. You can stop your feet. Praise in the valley, praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure, praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when I'm numbered, praise when surrounded. Praise is the water, my enemies drowning. As long as I'm breathing. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord. I praise when I feel it, and I praise when I don't. Still in control. My praise is a weapon, it's more than a sound. My, my praise is a shout. The brings shit go down. As long, long as I'm free, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I won't be quiet, my God is alive. How could I keep it inside? I'm gonna... There you go, come on. Come on, God is good. And if things are not going well, we can still praise Him, amen? Praise because you're faithful and praise because you're true. Praise because there's nobody greater than you. I'll praise because you're sovereign. Praise because you reign. Praise because you rose and defeated the grave. I'll praise cause you're faithful and praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, sing it out. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I'm gonna praise the Lord, oh my soul. Quiet, my God is alive. How could I keep 
Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty Forge, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine and you shine. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Oh, Come with trumpet sound 
on may I let him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne that phrase faultless stand before the throne is only because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Amen? There's nothing that I can do that allows me to stand before our Father. This morning, if you want to encounter God, I invite you to kind of check out of this and check into the fact that the Holy Spirit is here and ready for you. Amen? Cornerstone, weak may strong. Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord. Weak may strong. Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord. story this week? Amen. He is good, isn't he? Amen. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I'm going to say a couple of things. We're going to um, pray and then we're going to sing one more song. Can we do that? Yes. And you guys can stand up because I'm going to preach for an hour and a half. So you might as well just, <laughs> just if I got to stand for an hour and a half, you got to stand for half an hour. Amen. <laughs> Genesis chapter 22 and verse one says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God tested Abraham. And I thought about worship and how worship is holding on to things you love loosely because you need to be willing to let them go if necessary. Worship gives God our mistakes and our miracles. So we like to receive the miracles, but we also like to give away our mistakes. How many of you had to give away a mistake this week and just pray, say, God, please forgive me of my sin this week? Okay, how about this morning? How about you apologize to your wife right now? That's just... Worship gives God what we love. Worship has no boundaries. Worship receives all things from God and gives all things back to God. We love to receive, but we love to give. Worship is not so much a test to produce your faith, but it's a test to reveal your faith. So when God asks for something from you, what's your response? Is he worthy of whatever he's asking? Because he wants to know, do you really believe me? Father, we love you, and we just thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for keeping us safe last week, Lord God. I, I hated not being with your people. It was so quiet in here, but your presence was still very palpable. So encourage us today as we gather together, Lord God, to seek your face, to honor you, and to give you whatever you're asking of us today. We love you, and Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. one more song. I want to remind you that you are here at church right now. You have nothing else to do. Come on. You have nothing else to do but to encounter God. 
If you want, you can come on up forward. But this song says nothing else. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. And if there's something else you would rather be doing, maybe you should talk to God about that. So the altars are open. You can sit down. You can stand up. But we just invite you during this song to really slow down and acknowledge that the Holy One is here and He wants to encounter you. And 
nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, and nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. miss the kids at this time and just please stay standing for just a second Psalm 65 says praise is due to you O God in Zion and you to you shall vows be performed O you who hears prayer I don't know what y'all got going on but I know we haven't been together for a couple of weeks so I'm sure you got something going on Maybe we just open up the altar right now and just come and lay it down, whatever it is. He hears your prayer. That's who our God is, the God who hears our prayer. He hears. He will hear you this morning. He will hear you this morning. We're not just gathering to do a church service. We're gathering to meet with God. 
what's been heavy on you, what's been weighing on you. You want him to hear you. Oh, you who hear prayer. The Bible tells us you have not because you ask not. You don't have what you're wanting from God because you're not asking him. One of the first signs of being backslidden is you stop praying the way that you did when you were passionately in need of God. So do you want God to put you in a position to where you'll passionately have to need him again so you'll finally get back to prayer? When he is the God who hears prayer, he hears them. Father, you said to cast our cares upon you for you care for us. Some of us have some financial things going on. And we've been holding on to them instead of casting them on you. Because we're afraid that what you might have to do is discipline us in the way that we handle our finances. And we must trust you first. And we must be careful with what we do. Some of us, Father, in this room are having struggles with our relationships. And we've been holding on to those cares because we don't think that anybody cares for us. Because if the person you're with doesn't care for you, why would God? Because God is love. He cares for you. Some of you are having problems with teenagers. And you think it's out of your hands. Good, maybe you'll finally cast it on God. You'll cast your cares on Him. He hears your prayers. Fathers, we prepare to go into the preaching moment, the teaching, whatever you want to call it. I'm sorry for the times this week that I haven't given you priority. Even in the preparation of this sermon, there were times that I put it before prayer. Father, it's easy for us to do that. But if we believe you're a God who hears us, and we believe you're a God who will answer, then why wouldn't we pray today? Be with this sermon this morning, Lord God, that your word makes the difference because my words are nothing. Encourage our hearts. We love you so. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Christine Goches, where is she? Where? Christine, come on up here. Christine, Christine Goches, along with many other things, does our online ministry. Don't look at my notes. <laughs> and every week she gets a summary of what I'm speaking on. Every week. And I like to mess with her. Because Christine likes to make sure that everything's just right, which is good. So I like to mess with her. 
So every once in a while, I'll say something, I'll throw something in there that I, I know what I'm saying, but I make it kind of obscure, so she's not sure whether I, she really wants to put that online or not. <laughs> the subject today is delayed obedience, where we'll obey, but we'll delay. And as a summary for the sermon, I put this in the notes. It said, I was taught as a child not to put off tomorrow what could be done today, comma, but and I didn't finish it. Because the idea was, I'll finish it tomorrow. (laughs) But Christine just thought I was an idiot. (laughs) And didn't finish, right? That's what you thought. She didn't think I finished it, so she didn't put it in there. She just put the the sermon title. No summary. So you got no summary. You had no idea what you were coming into because Christine didn't trust me. I just want you to know, that's the kind of thing that happen in, in, in the church all the time. I appreciate Christine, but I wasn't being stupid. I was just trying to see if you would trust and obey. You were the sermon illustration for the day. Thank you. Now I'm going to actually do something stupid, and she's going to put it in there. A delayed faith, or you could call it delayed obedience, is when God asks us to trust and obey him, and we don't until maybe later. It's very common in our culture. In fact, I I know there's things that I'm supposed to do this week, but I often put them off till next week. Am I the only one that does that? Like, I know it should be done like right now. In fact, I was preparing the sermon and I came under the conviction that I was delaying my prayer time to put this sermon together. I get up at four in the morning, I do some exercise. I know it doesn't look like it, but I do some exercise. I get started and I just, I like jumping right into the sermon, but I always get pressured to pray. And it is a pressure to pray because there's a weight to it. Amen? Which is why it's so hard to pray in the morning because there's a weight to it. And so I, this week I'm preparing this sermon and all of a sudden God says, you have not talked to me once today. You're trying to do my work and you're trying to do it in, in the way you want to please me, but you won't even stop long enough to pray. So I delayed it. No, I didn't. I went and put down my notes and went and prayed. But it happened to me twice. It happened to me actually this morning when I came in to do some prep. I was going to work on it and all of a sudden he said you still have not prayed well I was just just delaying obedience it's common we do it all the time with prayer we do it time with spending time with God and his word we do it all the time when we should be spending time with our teenagers and we don't we 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 say we've got a a time we'll get it later there's a song uh, back in the 70s called cats in the cradle and it's about a dad who was too busy for his son and then he, then, he, then he got able to where he could spend some time with his son and his son was too busy for him because he delayed spending time with his kid. That one's free. There's no charge for that. We will not bill you later. Ten moments in church gatherings that are not convenient. We put them off. I'll, 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 I'll go next week. I'll, I'll, I'll go the week after. I'll go the week after. I'll go the week after. 
we just keep putting off. We know that God says to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And yet we say, you know what? Today's not the best day for me. I'll do it tomorrow. Next Sunday. And there's so many other things. I didn't want to list them. And I think what we don't realize is there are consequences to delayed obedience. There are consequences to delayed obedience. I'll get it later means you didn't take care of it now. Which means now you've got to live with the weight of what you didn't do for the week until you get it done. So you've got to weigh with the, live with the pressure that I should do this. How many of you have projects at home you know you should have done yesterday that you didn't do? And you're, now after I said this, you're going to go home and you're going to do it, but only because I said something. And you're going to say, that was a horrible sermon. The pastor made me feel bad about myself. I, I, I would have I got to it. I love that with children. When my kids were young, I began to ask them to do chores, and it was amazing how natural it was for them to say 10 more minutes. <laughs> only in 10 minutes for them to say 10 more minutes. Only for me to say, okay, 10 more minutes. And they would say, okay, after 10 more minutes. Then they would say 10 more minutes. And we went round and round. With, rather than just, the number of times I said 10 more minutes, I could have taken care of myself. I think that's what they were trying to do. And I think that's what we try to do. We keep putting off delayed obedience because we want either somebody else to take care of it or we just don't want to do it even though we're supposed to. 10 more minutes. So I'm going to go through a long story today and encapsulates a large portion of the scripture to get to the point. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'm going to throw in Deuteronomy just for the fun of it. There's nothing I'm reading out of Deuteronomy, but I'm saying it's part of that. And I know you're getting scared now. So we're going to read some scripture. I've got a lot of scripture on the wall. Uh, I'm just going to warn you, we're making some changes in the way that we do services. We're going to we're going to give you the reference on the wall, but we're probably not going to give you the scripture on the wall. We, we want you to bring your paper Bibles to church. You say, I don't have a paper Bible. We will buy you one. Well, that's just another thing for me to carry. Leave your phone at home. It'd be better off. <laughs> and bring your Bible. There's something powerful about the word of God on paper. So in that's a couple weeks, so don't freak out. If you were to read the Old Testament, you would find the story of the children of Israel. And what is amazing to me, how much alike we are to them. They were people chosen by God that through them, God would reveal himself to the world. We are a people chosen by God to show the world who Jesus Christ is. That's who we are. In Genesis, their history was one of God's guidance to places unknown provisions and provision in difficult times. And also, it's Genesis, when you read Genesis, you find out how messed up families are. So if you feel like you're the only family that's messed up, just read Genesis. You'll find out how screwed up God's people were. In Exodus, their history is one of God's deliverance from slavery. And how God, through miraculous acts, led them through maybe some difficulties, but led them into desert places to bring them to the mountain of God where they experienced God in a powerful way.
He would then teach them in Exodus and Leviticus the best way to live life. So for those of you that read the Bible, have read your Bible through and you've read Leviticus and you say, I hate Leviticus, that's because it tells you how to do things well. How to eat healthy, how to exercise, how to worship God. Amen. Now you're all going to go back and read Leviticus and you're going to say the same thing. Oh, this, this is a terrible book. This is what he's done for us. By faith, we've been led to Jesus Christ and through the miracle of salvation, God dwells in us through his spirit. Amen. And daily he's teaching us the best way to live life. The conviction of the Holy Spirit who indwells us tells us, don't talk to your wife that way. Because if she said that, you'd get mad at her. But when it's the Holy Spirit, it's like, oh, yeah, that was wrong. Am I the only one that experiences that throughout? And daily, he's given us miraculous provision and protection. I, I think, I can't wait till we get to heaven. I hope someday in heaven, he actually shows us how many times he saved us from something horrible. And, and he provided for us in a way, like, you didn't know how you got provided for, but God was like, moving things around and saying, let me do this and I'm going to use this person to take care of that. The building that you're sitting in was, was uh, paid for. Uh, there was a, a loan that they had on the building and they uh, couldn't make the payment. And so they called and they asked for permission to skip a payment. And the loan finance company that they went through had a church that just closed and sold their building and said, give it to a church that needs their building paid off. And so he's pastors calling up and saying, you know, how do I get this taken care of? And he says, don't worry about it. It's paid for. It's sad that the church had to close down, but what I'm saying is that God knows things and will provide for you in miraculous ways. Amen? like Israel, he gives us hope to a better life. Like he was saying, there's a better life than slavery. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has offered you in a better life? He said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. A land of promise where peace, protection, and provision allow us to dwell happily in Jesus. The Christian life is not always negative. It's like an awesome life to live. It's peace that passes all understanding. Joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Now, if you're not living that life, it's because you're, you're, you're probably delaying obedience. But Israel, as a people like us, didn't always do things God's way. They enjoyed the blessings of God, but they struggled to believe at times. Don't we sometimes just love that God blesses us, but sometimes it's hard to obey. Like, I want God to bless me, but I want him to bless me and then let me do whatever I want to do. We really are like seven-year-olds. At times. Israel's history is marked by constant complaining, a maddening murmuring, and almost daily arguing about how God wants them to live life. It's like there's always something negative about being a Christian. 
So much that they blamed their spiritual leaders for their problems. Moses and Aaron and their sister. When it comes to obedience, there were times that they modified the word of God. We spoke of that last week. If you didn't hear it, it's online. And it was horribly quiet in here last week. So I'm really, I'm feeling like I need some interaction. And there were times that they murmured about the word of God. And there were times that they delayed obeying the word of God. So to get to the point today, turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. If you don't have it, it'll be on the wall for at least a couple more weeks. And I'm serious when I say if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. You might have to wear glasses to read the print. (laughs) But someday that's the way it's going to be with giant print like I've got right now. I still need my glasses. It's just I'm at the perfect distance right now. Let's just throw the notes away. Israel, if you, if you read before chapter 13, you'll find them complaining about the life that God gave them. And they had been forgiven, but they'd forgotten that God saved them, and so they just wanted to complain. So just to set the, the, the tone is they already had an attitude when this happened. And I just want to warn you, sometimes we have an attitude before God wants to bring us into a greater life. And so because we have that attitude, it impacts how we enter that life. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Who is giving the land to the people of Israel? God. This is not rocket science. It says it in the the text. God is giving them the land. God is giving them to the, the land of the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness to Paran, and according to the command of the Lord, all of the men that were heads of the people of Israel. He says, send them into the land, send the most spiritual people you have. Send the men that everyone looks up to that says, wow, one day I'm going to be holy like that guy. Find the best men you can find and send them on this trip to spy out the land. In Numbers 13, Numbers 13, verses 17, if you skip down a little bit. Moses sent them to spy out the land in Canaan and said to them, go up to the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. And whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, And whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, for the loggers, that was for you. God loves loggers. I still love the saying, Earth first, we'll log the other planets later. Amen? If you're a tree hugger, I'm sorry. I I went from being a farmer to a logger to a toilet paper maker, so... I've been killing things my whole life. And now I'm a preacher, so I'm trying to bring life into this. 
Didn't know that about me. Yeah, I know you want to leave. Don't leave. It'll look bad. <laughs> Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land in the wilderness of Zin from Ruhab to the, these other places. The idea here is that God wanted them to see what he said was true. So get this. God wanted them to go see if what he said was true. This wasn't about what God didn't know, but what what about God's people didn't know? God already knew where he was sending them. God already knew the life he was sending them to. He already made the promise. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to send you to this great place. This is going to be a great life. You're you're not going to be a slave in that place. You're going to be free. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. This is going to be awesome. There's going to be huge grapes there. For you wine drinkers, there's going to be lots of wine. Don't be like Noah. It's a whole other story for another day. I just upset all the other ones. He wanted them to see that it was a land filled with milk and honey and that it was a land filled with blessings and beauty. But the land was not going to be easy to take. And if they wanted to live in that land, they were going to have to trust God that he could get them there. It wasn't about their strength. It was about God's strength. And God wants you to know that everything his word says is true. Right now, God wants you to know. Everything his word says is true. And the Christian life is an abundant life filled with hope and love. And then if God is for you, he wants you to know no one can be against you. It doesn't matter how big the enemy is. If you've got God on your side, you don't got to worry about nothing. Now you say amen, but are you living amen? You say you agree, but are you living like you agree? And I wonder how many of us believe this today, that God through Jesus Christ has a better life for us. That the spirit of God who indwells us is greater than anyone or anything you might have to face. Do you really believe that God is better? That God can defeat any enemy that you have? That God wants you to live an abundant life? Because when they reported back, here's what they said. Numbers 13, verses 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came into the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. It's exactly... The life that God said. It's exactly what he promised. It's exa- it is exactly what God said was going to be. However, verse 20, I can't see that. Whatever verse that is, 29, 28. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. That, that, that wasn't a bad truth, but it was a However. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which is a giant. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea. These really bad people live in this place. It's exactly what God said would be there, but there's some bad people that live there. However, and besides, 
Yes, everything God said was true. However, yes, what God has promised. However, it is true beside this other issue. So I know it's this great place. I know it's this great life, but besides what God said is true, there's difficulty there. How many times do you do that with God? He tells us something is true and he wants you to obey it and you contradict it with however and besides. However and besides. God tells you how to have a, an awesome marriage. And you say, I believe that God says I can have an awesome marriage. There's what the scripture teaches in Ephesians chapter five. However, he doesn't know my husband. I know that sounds good, but besides it sounding good, he doesn't have my issues. They saw exactly what God said was true. The land was blessed and beautiful. The people were tall but tough. But God was still God. But they didn't see God as the savior of their lives. Because they used however and besides. And here's what they said. If this, tell me if this sounds familiar in your life. Look at verse 31 through 33. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land where they spied out saying the land though we have gone through a spied is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in there are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim there, the sons of Anak, again, more giants who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed ourselves as grasshoppers and so we seem to them. How many times have you said this because God's promised you this life and God's giving you the word to obey and trust and you said, I'm not able. I can't do it. They're stronger than me. They're gonna eat me alive. Who are we to fight this fight? Have you ever said that to God? You ever said to God, I can't, I'm not enough, I won't survive this, who am I? It's all delayed obedience. God said, go spy it out, check it out, see if it's what I said it was. If you find out what it says it was, don't worry about it, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the life. I'm going to give you the marriage. I'm going to give you the finances. I'm going to give you the home. I'm going to give you the peace. I'm going to give you the joy. I'm going to give it all to you. But I can't. They're stronger. They'll eat me alive. Who am I to fight this fight? When it wasn't about Israel, it was about God. See, the life God wants you to give you isn't just about you. It's really about God. Now, two spies saw it differently. And we'll just read their stories real quick. Numbers 13, 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. I love Caleb. If any of you have kids and he's a boy, name him Caleb. He's my hero. Caleb said, let's go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Don't you hate that guy? 
Let's go do it. We are well able to do this. My wife, when, when, we, when we were developing our faith life, my wife would do that to me all the time. We can do this. God said we can trust him. We can trust him. We're going to do this. And I would be like, I, I, I'm not big enough. I'm not smart enough. Who am I? And she would say, we can do this. Numbers 6, 14, 6. And Joshua. So you can name your son Caleb or Joshua. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there just, just to kind of. Because here's, here's Joshua. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among the, those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, and a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Sourdough, freshly baked, <laughs> covered in butter. Amen? I haven't had any in a week. I'm dying from addiction. Only do not rebuild about the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. I want to be around people who say, God's with us. What are you afraid of? God's with us. God's told us to trust his word. God's told us to go into this land. God's told us to believe in his promises. If God's for us, who can be against us? We are well Able. Can I tell you, every Christian in this room, if you trust the word of God and obey what it says, you are well able to live the life that he's promised you. You're well able. You're well able. It's important to ask yourself when God gives you an opportunity to trust and obey and he invites you to see if his word is true. Do you trust what you see or do you trust what he says? God said, I'm going to give you the land. God said, go check it out and see if it's exactly what I said. When you study your Bible, what do you find when you read your Bible about Christians? Lives, lives weren't easy, but they were a happy people. I think of, uh, I think it was Paul who was thrown into prison with Barnabas or Silas. I can't remember which one. But they're thrown into prison and they just start singing. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed. Oh, when he washed. Do I have to do this all by myself? <laughs> you guys, am I the only one that believes that? They just started singing and all of a sudden an earthquake came and shook the, the, the jail and all the jails opened up. Come on, they got out of that problem by singing happy songs. Do you trust what you see or do you trust what he says? Now the church's response is in, is in Numbers 14 verses 1 through 3. Then all the congregation, this is New Life Church. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people went, wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Stupid preacher. And the whole congregation said to them, would we have died in the land of Egypt or would we have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones have become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better off if I never got saved? 
That's what they're saying. I think sometimes we forget where we were. Especially when we're having to learn to trust and obey God. We forget the life that we were living. How, how The reason why you needed Jesus Christ. The reason why you needed your sins forgiven. The reason why you needed salvation. We forget that so easily and so quickly. That we start going through a, a testing of our faith. A trying of our faith. And we start saying, I, I wish I was never saved. I've had people say to me before, I'm going to wait to get saved until right before I die. Hope that works out for you. Because I'd like to see you in heaven. But that's probably not the way it's going to work out. Because you're delaying your faith. And you don't know when you're going to die. Amen? It would have been better off if I would never say It's funny how quickly we spin out when we're challenged to trust and obey. Say, I want to go back to that old life. That old life sucked. That's why you're not living there anymore. Right? Isn't that the reason why you called on Jesus to save you from your sins? Because your sin weighed you down and your sin put pressure on you and your sin made you struggle. Why would you want to keep living that life? So here's God's reply. And this is important because it gives you an idea how God feels about delayed obedience. It's actually disobedience that turns into delayed obedience. We'll get to that in a minute. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe me in me? In spite of all the signs that I've done among them. I'll strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I'll make you a nation greater and mightier than they. Now just hold on. God says, how long are they not going to believe me? Not going to trust me. In spite of all the things I've shown them. Now just for a moment, think about what God has shown you about how good he is. Anybody? How good has God been to you? Has he been good? How good has he been? Has he blessed you? Has he encouraged you? Has he loved you? Has he comforted you? Has he saved you? Because you can't save yourself from your own sins. Once you've committed sin against God, the only way you can be saved from your sins is if you trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which was paid for the forgiveness of your sins. And God says, I'll strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. Now, Moses doesn't want that to happen. No good pastor wants you to suffer because you're stupid. I'm 60, I can say that. When I was 30, it was offensive, but I'm not 30 anymore. But I don't want you to suffer. I've had people say, well, wait until they suffer long enough, then they'll come to Christ. I don't want you to suffer. Why would you want people to suffer? When if you just trusted and obeyed, you'd be saved from your situation. So Moses says this to God. He reminds God, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means will clears the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. He says to God, please pardon the iniquity of this people. According to the greatness of your steadfast love. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So he says to God, you're a good God. Don't do a bad thing because your people are bad. 
Be the God that we know you to be. That you are abounding in steadfast love. That you are slow to anger. That you forgive iniquity. That you forgive transgression. That you hold us accountable for our sin. But according to your steadfast love, the greatness of your steadfast love, forgive your people. Now, I thought about this real quick. Why would he bring up the children? Because delayed obedience will be repaid through your children. If you teach your children to not obey God, they'll grow up and not obey God. To the third and fourth generation. Great, great, great grandkids will not obey God because you won't obey God. Now, God replied in Numbers 14, 20 through 24. I'm not going to read that because of time. But what he said was, because you asked Moses to pardon them, I will. Because Moses asked, you better praise God for the prayers of godly people who pray for you when you're doing stupid things. Because God may not hear you, but God will hear them. And if you've got somebody in your life that's running from God or rebelling against God and you pray for them, you need to make sure you pray for them hard and passionately. Because they need your, because God hears your prayers and God not hearing that they're running from God. They're not, not even praying. It goes on to say that none of those who delayed obedience will live the life I promised. God says, if you've not obeyed me at this moment, you're not going to receive the promise. This was a one-time shot. This was a one-time opportunity and you delayed obedience. You didn't obey me and go into the land and take what I promised you. You didn't believe me the first time. You don't get another opportunity. Except for Caleb and Joshua. The two that had faith. He says, you can go in. Now Moses then went to the people and told them what God had said. And here's the response. And we'll be done with the scripture here in just a minute. When Moses told his words to the people of Israel, the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the heights of the hill country saying, here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised for we have sinned. We'll, we'll do what you said to do. We'll obey you today. We wouldn't obey you yesterday. We didn't believe what you said yesterday, but we're going to believe you today. We'll obey you now. But Moses said, why are you transgressing the command of the Lord? when it will not succeed. Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are fa facing you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned back from following the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. Because you have turned back from following the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. Because you have turned back from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the hill, heights of the hill country, Although neither the Ark of the Covenant or the Lord or Moses departed out of the camp, the preacher wouldn't even go with you. The preacher said, I'm not going. If you're going to disobey God, I'm going to pray that he forgives you, but I'm going to keep my distance. And the Amalekites, the Canaanites lived in the hill country, came down and defeated them and pursued them even into Harma. See, they thought they could delay obedience and expect God to just ignore it. But God pays attention to the delayed obedience. Somebody who says no and then later on wants to say yes. Somebody that wants to not believe and then later say, I'll, 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 I'll do it later. If you keep on reading, uh, again, what happened is the children of Israel then got defeated in, in battle and then spent the next 40 years wandering the desert. 
wandering the desert until all those who doubted the word of God died. They just wandered in the desert. Groundhog's Day, every day. Um, we've been, this is Jerusalem. We've been here like, it seems like a hundred times. We're not staying, we're going past it. Go around the corner. I've seen this. How many of you have lived that kind of a life? Like you've lived, you've got the same problems today that you had 20 years ago. And you're just wandering around in the desert waiting for yourself to die. Nothing's changed. Nothing's gotten better. It's just the same old thing. My marriage still sucks. I don't know what to do with my finances. I, I'm not happy. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. And it's the same thing. Every day I wake up, it's just sadness and loneliness and depression and discouragement. Maybe I'll try something that the world has to offer to make me happy. That won't make me happy because they'll just screw you up even more. But you just won't trust the word of God because you, because you didn't trust the word of God. You just wander around in the desert and you're just waiting to die. Now, the interesting thing is Israel's delayed obedience happened right before they were going to be led into the land of promise. I've got to make sure I get my right notes. Right before the land of promise. And I wonder, I wondered about this all week. I wonder how many people in this room, God is getting ready to bless with the life that you've been looking for forever. And he's ready to lead you through his word to a place. And he just wants you to see that what he said is true. And he wants you to step out in faith and go into that land. And some of you are going to say, I, I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to obey God. And how many of you will miss out on the life that God has for you today? Because you will not trust and obey. So here's what I know about delayed obedience. Several things real quick and we'll go home. And you'll be happy. Well, you might just be in the desert and live it all over again. And come back next week and be the exact same person you were when you left. I know this about delayed obedience. Most people who delay obedience already struggle with faith. The reason God sent them into the promised land in the first place is because he knew that they wouldn't obey if they didn't see how good the land was. And we're like that today. If we don't get a perfect picture of what the future holds, we'll hold on to our present life even though it's not as good as what could possibly happen if we believe the word of God. So you'll live in this horrible life because you're now comfortable in it and it's safe. And if I trust God, I might actually have to step into uh, him and trust him. I must have, must have to, may have to trust the word of God. Why would you stay in a life that you know is not as good as it could be when God promises you something better? Because you just don't really believe. You Maybe you've tried religion and thought that that would help you. Religion is just... just religion. It's just doing things, hoping things will change. Instead of faith saying, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. How many of you just really want to trust God today with your marriage? 
with your dating life, with your kids, where you're as a teenager, you want to trust God with your future. If I was a teenager right now, I would try to figure out the easiest way to, tr- what is God telling me to do? And I'm going to do that because everybody else is following the world's way and it ain't working for teenagers. If you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling with believing the word of God, ask him. I'm challenging you to ask him to show you the land. Show me what the, the life that you're, you're promising me, God. Show me from your word. Show me from somebody in my life. Show me, show me what it looks like. And then when I see what you say, I'll do what you tell me to do. But when you see what he says, you're going to have to step through by faith and believe what God said and do it. Maybe you can ask God, God, give me a godly person in my life that's just, they're happy because of Jesus. And they used to not be happy, and now they're happy. Put them in my life. And so I can ask them, how'd you get happy? Because they're going to tell you the same thing. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's where my joy comes from. That's where my peace comes from. That's where my love comes from. That's where my comfort comes from. But if you already struggle with faith, you're probably not going to have faith to go into the land that God's promised. So ask him, show me. Second thing, most people who delay obedience already struggle with obedience. Rebellious people tend to rebel against everything, even if it's good. Amen? If you're rebellious in nature, you're probably going to be rebellious spiritually. Christian, and I'm sorry, children and teens who disobey their parents and teachers will disobey God. If they won't obey the authorities that God has given them in their life to, that they see, they're not going to obey the one who they can't see. Men who disobey their bosses will disobey God. Well, I don't like the way my boss does it. It's, it's a job. It's not supposed to be fun. Let's just get over the idea that job is supposed to be easy and fun. It's work. Work sucks. Read Genesis chapter 3. It's a result of sin. God says, I'm going to make it hard for you. It was easy before. Then Adam and Eve sinned. And God says, fine, I'm going to make work hard. Work's going to be hard. So your boss isn't going to be easy on you. There's a reason why he's the boss. And if you're the boss, you, you, you don't want to fight against the people that you're working for. Because I don't care, even if you're a, a, a business owner, you're still working for somebody. You're providing a, a service for somebody. And men who disobey their bosses will disobey God because God's an authority over them. And when God tells them to do something, most men don't like it. I don't want God telling me what to do. Who's he to tell me what to do? He's God. I mean, did we miss that somewhere along the line? You're not God. You're a man. Not God. Wives who disobey their husbands will disobey God. Woo! Had to get that one out there quickly. Sneak that out underneath the radar. Wives who... How do I know that? Because Ephesians chapter 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. If you won't submit to your husband, you will not submit to God. If you will not obey your husband, you will not obey God. I know it's happening in modern marriages today where they don't do the, uh, uh, the obey part in wedding vows anymore. I throw it in every time. That's why I don't do very many weddings anymore. <laughs> Nobody's knocking down my door to say, do a wedding for us. You going to obey? Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. 
Christians who struggle with obedience to even their elders and their pastors will struggle with obedience to God. If you struggle with obedience to any aspect of life, you're going to struggle with God's obedience. So here's what you got to do. If you struggle with obedience, you're just going to have to trust and obey. It was deep. I don't know where else to go with this one, but you just got to trust and obey. If God says to do something, it's for your good. If you're a good parent and your parents ask you to do something, it's for your good. They're not asking you to do something for their good because if it was for their good, they wouldn't ask you because there's so much, such an argument to get you to do anything. Right? So just obey. Guys, just believe that your boss has your best his, the best intentions for you. And if he doesn't, just believe that God can take care of your boss. God can deal with your boss. You're under him, meaning he's over you, meaning there's power that he has that you don't have, meaning you've got to go over him. And don't go to his boss. Go to your boss, your real boss, God. I used to work with a guy that was the biggest jerk on the planet. Hated working for that guy. Had to work for him for seven years. Obnoxious, horrible. I would come home and yell at my wife. <laughs> right? I just complained the whole time. Complain and murmur, complain and murmur. I hated the guy. And then I started growing in Christ and I just realized I need to be submissive unto his authority. So I just started being kind to him and being nice to him and doing all the stupid little things he asked me to do, even if it was randomly ridiculous. And you know what? He started liking me and hating on the other guys. So it just got, <laughs> because God was for me, he couldn't be against me. Ladies, how does your relationship to your husband compare to your relationship with Jesus? Are you submissive to your husband's leadership? Even if he does because I'm going to tell you a secret, ladies, about men. We do the dumbest things. And we probably should listen to you, but we don't. Because we're not smart enough to listen to you. And maybe if you just stop nagging so much, that would help. But that's not the point. This is going south really quickly. If you struggle with obedience to your spouse, you're going to struggle with obedience to God. So here's what you do. God, give me something that I can do to show that I trust you. Give me something that I can do that I can show that I can trust you. And I'm going to obey it, no matter how ridiculous it sounds. Forgive my pastor for saying the word submit in a church service, which is biblical, by the way. Forgive my spouse, forgive my kids, forgive my parents. God, you kids would be a lot happier if you'd forgive your parents for doing stupid things. Because they've never raised teenagers before. They have no idea what they're doing. And if they have raised them, they probably screwed those up. And you're, you're the, the third or fourth practice kid. <laughs> and they probably don't even ask you to do much because they've learned the more we ask, the more d discouragement that happens in my life. So I just do it myself. So say, God, give me some way to obey. 
so I can see your way. Third thing, most people delay obedience because uh, they'll fear what they'll lose. Israel said, when God brought them to the edge of the promised land and they saw it and they got scared, they said, we should go back to Egypt. It'd be better off if we went back to Egypt. And I wonder how many of you would stay in a bad situation rather than trust God that there's a better one because you're afraid to lose whatever weird, warped idea of life you have. And so you're so afraid to make a, take a step of faith to change that that you'll just stay living in, in Egypt. You'll stay living in bondage. You'll stay living in sin. Because you're afraid of what you lose. Those of you that are struggling with depression, what would you lose if you would stop being depressed? You'd lose sleep because you sleep a lot. Amen. You'd lose negative thoughts about life. You'd stop thinking your life would be better off if you were dead. What do you fear in trusting God with your life? That you might actually be happy? That would be horrible. Because now all you know is complaint and murmuring and arguing and anger. When you could have happiness. What are you afraid you're going to lose? If you just go into the land that God says, I'm going to give you this life. And I'm going to give you this life. And this life is going to be a good life. Well, I don't see it that way. There's giants there. And there's, don't worry about what you see. Worry about what God said. See, we know what God says about following Jesus for life. But do we really believe it? What are you afraid of? Are you really afraid of happiness? Are you really afraid of peace? Are you that person that's so enveloped with chaos? There's so much craziness in your life that if it calmed down, if it's, you stopped living in craziness, you would, know, you would create craziness just to make yourself feel good. It's funny, but it's not funny because you do that. You'll create drama just for drama's sake. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. I can't remember that I say things all the time. But I was counseling with a young man and I said to him that his trauma is real. But the drama is not. How many of you would rather live in the drama of your life than heal the trauma so you don't have to live in the drama? But you're so afraid that God's going, it's going to hurt or it's going to cost you something that you would rather live in the drama, the negative, the, 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 the bad. Because if your life actually, and I've had that happen with numerous people over the years pastoring, where they got saved, they started to grow in Christ, they started to get peace, and they started to get joy. I remember one saying, I've never been so happy in my life. Two weeks later, he fell off the wagon and got back onto drugs and never came back. He was more comfortable in the drug culture than he was in the Christ culture. What are you afraid you're going to lose? Sadness? That would be horrible. You'd be happy. And you would make everybody around you happy. And I wonder how many in this room have been loved by God, freed from the bondage of their sins, guided by the Holy Spirit, protected from their enemies, and received miraculous provision, been led to the mountain of God, and experienced God for themselves in a miraculous way. But when God asks you to trust what he said, even if you don't see what makes sense, 
You delay, in, you delay obedience until you get more information, more inspiration, or more interpretation. See, the problem with the person who's preaching to you today is I'm that dumb one that just believes the word of God and obeys it. I don't even believe what I see. I just believe what he says. So somebody's going to say, well, if God asked you to jump off a ledge, would you do it? No, because Jesus said that, not, that we're not supposed to tempt the Lord with stupid things. But if God asked me to call upon him to have my sins forgiven, I would call upon him so I don't have to dwell with my sin. If I needed to forgive somebody who's wronged me, I'm going to call upon him and say, God, give me the strength to be able to forgive this person, to turn the other cheek, to love them the way that you loved me. I would do that. If I'm struggling with my finances and God says, well, then trust me with the tithe. Prove me now here with faith, Lord of hosts, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you'll not have room enough to receive it. I'm just the stupid one enough to believe that that's true. And I've been married to the same woman for 39 years, going on 40 years this year. And I believe it's greatly impacted by my tithe because I've lived trusting God. My marital barn is full. It's overflowing. I've got so much love for this woman that I, I don't know what to do with it all. Like, I just want to be with her 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we've been together for 40 years, and I still want to be with her. Some of you have been together four years, and you can't stand each other. <laughs> Amen? See, one thing Jesus said is, that's true is every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I think of the numerous people in the Bible who if they disobeyed and disobeyed and then delayed their obedience, how they would have died in the wilderness. The woman at the well, if you know the story, how many of you know the story of the woman at the well? She would have died angry and bitter. Instead, she went out and got happy and had joy and had peace. The maniac of Gadara. How many of you know that story? Maniac of Gadara is a crazy man. Listens to Jesus. Demons come out of him. Go into some pigs. Amen. For those of you pork lovers, I'm sorry. He would have stayed crazy. Some of you are staying crazy because you will not trust God. You won't trust and obey him. So you're just living this crazy life. And you're saying, why am I always in this craziness? Because you won't let him remove the demon that's in you. The woman with the issue of blood, if she never would have reached out and touched Jesus, she never would have been healed. She would still have issues. How many of you women still have issues because you will not reach out to Jesus and be healed from whatever hurts you? Come on now. We're almost done. Blind Bartimaeus, if he wouldn't have yelled out to Jesus, was Jesus passed by, he would have stayed blind. He couldn't see that there was a better life. He would have just been a beggar his whole life. How many of you just are tired of being a beggar? You're tired of sitting by the roadside helping, waiting on other people to bail you out. Instead of being able to see yourself and get up and walk. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up to the tree and he said, Zacchaeus... Yeah, come on now, help me out, church people. 
you come down here for we're going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus got saved, repented of his sin, became happy. Or if he wouldn't have done that, he would have stayed a wee little man. Those of you with short man's disease, I'm trying to help you out. The one out of the ten lepers, if he wouldn't have turned back to Jesus, would have been religiously cleansed but not spiritually transformed. Some of you have been spiritually cleansed but not, I'm I'm sorry, religiously cleansed but not supernaturally transformed. You've never been changed. You, you, You have claimed that you trust Christ as your Savior, but you're no different than you've ever been because you haven't truly trusted him to be your Savior. You haven't confessed your sin and repented of them. You haven't trusted that the Holy Spirit's going to come inside of you and fill you to change your life. So you're just going through the motions of religion. And you're wondering, why does, do I never change? Why do I stay in the same place? Because you haven't trusted and obeyed. And could you imagine God giving you an opportunity to change your life? And you say, I'll do it later. I don't believe it. And then what happens is you wander around the desert for 40 years until you and all your other unbelieving people around you die. Just suffering the same thing over and over and over again. Jesus came that they might, he might, we might have life and that we might have it more, more abundantly. And you'd just be waiting for God to keep his promise. The promise that you denied when you delayed. When God sends you to spy out the land, the promise that he made is this. Be careful what you say about what you see. Only two made it to the promised land. Only two made it through to the promised land. Will it be you? Will it be you? Will you trust what God says? Obey what he says? And live the life that he said? Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Let's stand. Father, in this room, can we have the worship team come up? In this room, there are people who I believe that you are preparing to lead to a new life. But they're going to have to step through it by faith. And they're going to have to prove it by obedience. And they're going to have to live it by removing all the fear that's in their life and just step into the life that you promised them. Father, in this room is somebody who's tired of going around and around and around in the desert and nothing ever changes. And they blame themselves and they blame their families and they blame their church and they blame their pastor. They blame you when all they need to do is trust you and obey you.
for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Maybe today's the day they get tired of walking around the desert. Maybe today's the day that they take the opportunity to call upon you and to trust you in their life, whatever it is. If they need their sins to be forgiven, if they need to be saved, that they would come and let us pray with them about that. To not be afraid. That maybe there's somebody in this room, Lord God, they're a teenager and they're tired of worrying about their future. That today they would just trust you and obey you. That they would believe that you have a better life for them. Father, I think about the couples in the room, Lord God. They're just, they're tired of living this marriage. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. And you've called them to trust you and obey you, but they've balked at it. I believe you're giving them another shot today. They struggled with their finances. They just have no peace there. They have no comfort there. If they would just trust you and obey, they wouldn't have to be having the same problems in 2025 that they're going to have in 2024 because they're trusting in money, not in God. There's no other way but to trust and obey. I don't know what you're speaking to each one in the room, Lord God. I know you're speaking something to them. And if they need their sins forgiven, they need to have a conversation with us. Let us help them with that process. If they need help with their finances, let, let us help them with that process. If they need help with their marriage, let, them, let us help them. Father, we have a marriage series coming up that's going to help young couples and old couples know how to do it right. Father, if faith is their issue, why would they be in the same spot spiritually today that they were last year? Why wouldn't they be in a new spot tomorrow? Because they need to trust and obey. Help us, Father. We need you today. We can't do it without you. Father, be the God of forgiveness. Be the God of abundant grace. Be the God of abundant love. Be the God that you are. Forgive us of our failures. Forgive us when we said no to you. Forgive us when we walked away from you, when we had the opportunity to be changed by you. Let today be a day of transformation because we're a, it's a day of submission to you. In Jesus' name we pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. What do you need to bring to God today? What's the, what's the land he's trying to lead you to? that maybe today he's going to give you a shot at. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Altars, altars open. Come on up. Come on up. Call upon him. I want that life. I want that land. I want, that, I want what you're offering me. I'm tired of living this life in a going around the mountain, going around the mountain, going around the mountain. I, I need help with my marriage, God. I need help with my heart as a, as a teenager. I need help with my joy. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of being sad. I'm tired of, 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 of being scared. Heads about, eyes are closed. Come on, altar's open. Come cast your cares upon him for he cares for you.
please don't tell me that there's only a couple of people that God is moving in their hearts today. The step you take to the altar is a step of faith with God. Heads about, eyes are closed. Please just be praying. What's God been asking you to trust him and obey? What's God been trying to speak to you about? What's, what's he been calling you to that is a better life? Only two made it to the promised land. Only two. What a shame. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the children of Israel or do you want to be Caleb and Joshua? We are well able to take it. We are well capable of doing it. We can do it with your help, God. This is a a life that you promised us. He said, I've come, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Not Groundhog's Day. Not experiencing the same depression that you've been experiencing for years. Why would you stay there? The same addiction. Why would you stay controlled by that addiction when Jesus can free you from it? Why would you stay in the same struggles in your marriage instead of saying, God, I'm stepping through into this promise and I'm going to trust what you say. I'm going to trust and obey. I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to believe what your word says. You deny his promise when you delay his promise. Step into that land that he's offered you. He's promised to give you a better life in Christ. While people are praying, we're going to sing. If you're still praying, please don't feel like we're rushing you because we're not rushing you at all. You're talking to a God who hears prayer and he's hearing your prayer today. He is hearing your cry. He is hearing you today. Let's come together and sing, church. caught up in his presence. He's here today. If you can't feel him, open your heart up to him. Open your heart up right now and say, God, I need to feel you today. I need to feel your love. I need to feel your peace. I need to feel your joy.
moment right now. God is with us right now. He's with you right now. our prayer. I just want you today. I just want you. And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just say another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Make that start today. Today, oh, I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Please do that. Please open it up. Cause I'm caught up in your presence Oh, I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave God, I'm not for blessings and Jesus you don't owe me
You don't need anything else. Nothing else will do what Jesus can do. Heads bowed, eyes closed. One last thing, and we'll, we'll go home, I promise. How many of you today are going to be Caleb and Joshua and say, we can go in. I can live that life. I want that life. I'm stepping in today, Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, for those who are willing to trust you today, show them that everything that you've promised in your word, that everything you've promised in your word is true for them, that you love them and you want to give them the life that they just couldn't couldn't imagine before they stepped into this place today. Open the doors up of opportunity for them and show them that you're right there. That you'll give them the land. They just got to trust you and obey you. We love you so. And I just thank you for this gathering today. Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated real quick. We got just a couple of announcements to give. This was way better than last week when it was just me and Angelo. I'm not turning around. I, I don't want to know. Joey, go ahead. Hi, y'all. Hey, in case you don't know me. Hi. In case you don't know me, I'm Joey. Uh, I'm, one, I'm one of the people here. Um, uh, just a few announcements. Um, but before I do that, I just, gosh. This, this psalm stuck out, just a piece of a psalm, just to encourage you. Psalm 19. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. You are not leaving this place empty-handed. I've greeted you with a song. Now I'm going to give you some good news <laughs> about uh, us gathering. So tomorrow uh, night at 6 p.m. here at the church, men's fellowship dinner. Daniel's making us ribs. It's going to be a great time. But you must act fast, because because uh, uh, Kendrick's getting together all the uh, getting the order to to did it today, and so you gotta have your have your money in. It's ten dollars per guy, and uh, that way we can have it all prepared and ready for you tomorrow. So tomorrow night, sign up at the info desk, get your money, and uh, yeah, we'll have a good time.
uh, and starting this Tuesday is Rooted. Rooted's our uh, our discipleship step here in uh, at Root at New Life. Sorry, I haven't been up here in a long time. I don't talk much, um, but uh, it's a ten week commitment. We go over the rhythms of a Christian life. It's just the it's really the basics, and it's a good refresher for you war-torn old Christian vets, and then, but it's also a great introduction to people that are brand new to the faith, learning the way. So come talk to me. You can sign up at the info desk. Uh, that will start this Tuesday at 6.30. There'll be a weekly meeting with some other things. Talk to me. We'll get you sorted out. And then next week, is it next week? It's next week. I think so. No. Next Thursday. Yeah. The, the Thursday after this Thursday, in the next week. <laughs> quarter moon. I don't know. Uh, will be our first Thursday gathering. We do it every month. We get together. We do a potluck. We worship. And we uh, hear uh, teaching from Pastor Andy or somebody that's appointed. So um, we come together, we do communion, we eat. It's beautiful. So I just want to remind you, uh, a week, almost two weeks from now, <laughs> the first Thursday of February, on the 1st, it's super easy, it's, uh, it's going to be our, our first Thursday. Um, and then Ms. DJ, one last announcement. I just need all the women to meet me out at the info desk if you are going to be participating in the Secret Sisters. We're going to go ahead and get everybody's name in and draw names today. So I need all of you who are interested or who have already signed up, um, just meet me out there. Oh, in here? Okay, we'll do it in here, actually. So just meet me up here. In, actually, how about over there? That would be perfect. <laughs> Uh, you are dismissed, and thank you. We love you. Have a beautiful day. God bless you. <laughs>